Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ollie Watkins just gets away from him, but El Ghazi's behind him. And more El Ghazi! 3 0! Emphatic! Triore with Watkins available. Triore just passes it into the corner. Big moment for him. It's young. Crowd full Here's Douglas the Wee, strong on the ball, opens up for John McGinn, plays the pass towards Watkins, 1-0 Villa! Villa's a big clap mate. So. Gather round villains and welcome to Gather Round the Lamp, our podcast all about our beloved Aston Villa by underagaslitlamp.com, supported by Manscaped. We'll be looking back at another encouraging yet frustrating match with Man United, analysing how the new boys are settling in and previewing an intriguing match against Everton on Sunday, Saturday lunchtime. I'm Andy, and joining me this week are Craig and Dan. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Hello, hello. Exciting times again in the Aston Villa uh, universe, or the Villaverse, as I've coined it. Trademark is pending. Um, great to be back, and great to have Daniel back with us. Yeah, good to be back. Hi, listener, and hi, gents. I was gutted to miss out on last week and the RIP El Ghazi at Aston Villa pod, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to see your faces again. How you How you both been? Getting better. Getting better, I think, <laughs> slowly but surely. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm. I'm out here trying to dodge the old uh, the vid. I mean, everyone has it. Like friends, acquaintances, family members. I'm. I'm ducking and diving and dodging, trying to avoid it still. Um, so far, so good. Fingers crossed. Yeah, just stay in that basement. You'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> My office is in the basement, listeners, but it, it is it is a... a it's not no. in Andy's basement, luckily. It's <laughs> yeah, it does sound a bit threatening, that. Stay in the basement. Yeah, stay in the, stay in anyway. the basement. <laughs> anyway, there, there was huge excitement around Villa Park on Saturday as Villa took on Man United for the second time in a week, hoping to complete the league double over them. Of course, Gerard had new faces to call on as Luca Dina replaced Matt Target at left-back and Philippe Coutinho took his place on the bench. Also, with John McGinn suspended, Morgan Sanson came in um, into the midfield and um, <coughs> Watkins and Ings continued their their fated partnership up front. Um do you think uh, this this kind of had the feeling of the the start almost of the of the Steven Gerrard era? Is it he was able to name a couple of his own players for this one? I think the era. I think the era. The the the, the kind of turning point in the Steven Gerrard era, if you like. I think it's going to be that Coutinho signing. I think it was such a watershed moment, and um, the idea that we can now attract this this level of player. And I know we may discuss uh, a certain bitey former teammate of Coutinho later on. Uh, but the idea that we can now attract this calibre of player, I think, is perhaps the, 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 the watershed moment again for the Steven Gerrard era. And to see a target, target kicked out the team so quickly for uh, Luca Dean, uh, to see Coutinho warming up on the, on the sideline, the camera is certainly in the US coverage, cut to him frequently throughout his warm-ups uh, during the, the 90 minutes. It does feel like the beginning of a new era. Obviously, Dean Smith was synonymous with lots of those championship players, lots of that, you know, those promotion heroes as we, we talk about them. We saw our beautiful baby boy, Amar Al-Ghazi, uh, leave. We've seen others leave uh, previously 
previously, like Zavelmo, Taylor, obviously Jack Grealish moved along his, his, his way. So it almost seems like Dean Smith's team is being pushed to the side piece by piece, step by step. And yeah, I think um, it is exciting times ahead, but I do think that we need to start to get some results to go with the excitement off the field because ultimately you need points and we haven't been doing so well on that side of the game, including on Saturday against Manchester United because I think that was a, certainly a winnable a winnable game. Yeah, I think you're bang on there, Craig. Like, off the pitch, definitely the Gerard era has started. Much as I'm, I'm reluctant to see some players that I, I knew and loved and, and who played under a manager I knew and loved disappear, there's definitely some glitz, some glamour, a sprinkling and a talent coming into the team. But I'd say on the pitch, I don't even think the Gerard era has begun yet. I was, I was looking back over the results and, I don't know, I'd say he's par for the course since he's come in. I think the loss at, at Brentford kind of hurt him and there's, there's not been a standout result in there that you could say was the the defining Gerard performance. In fact, there's not been a standout 90 minutes of football that says the the standout Gerard performance. We've been good in fits and spurts. You've you've seen the identity of the team coming through in fits and spurts, but we just haven't been able to put it together yet. And I think I'm still waiting for that 90 minutes start to finish Gerard football great result kind of moment until the Gerard era really starts for me but I mean how can you not like a game when Philip Coutinho comes on and scores the equaliser spoiler for you? alert there but um <laughs> yeah sorry sorry anyone who didn't watch the game and is listening to this like it's match of the day or something like, uh, yeah. yeah we'll get we'll getting complaints no it's <laughs> you, you you're right there it's um it's it was it was just exciting there was a buzz about <clears throat> about the ground um on Saturday even when he was on the bench really um, I, I was quite keen for him to start, obviously. Um, um, I'm not good at de- delayed gratification. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> we were talking about that before the show, actually. But I'm not sure how much of that we can repeat on air. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. But it's... Uh, but I, I do think... I do think um, there's this sense now that Gerard's, you know, having having got to his first his first transfer window um, at the club is is kind of... He feels excited. He's he seems energized. He's, it's it's gone up a notch for him as well. Um, before it was kind of seeing what he could do with the players he had available. Obviously, you know we've we we haven't we've never had a full squad of players available at all this season. I don't think so, and that's part of, part of what probably did for for Dean Smith as well. So um, it's good it's good to see. And I thought. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll perhaps talk about it later. But uh, you know, it was it was it was good to see the impact the the the, the new guys had as well. Um, but despite the, uh, the the pre-match pyrotechnics and the, the cauldron-like atmosphere, the, the Villa players appeared to freeze in the spotlight um, as the the continue they continually stood off um, United, not unlike the the the, the cup game um, just days before. And true to form, they went a goal behind as, as as Villa failed to react to a clever free free kick, and Fernandez had the freedom of Aston really to fire a shot at Martinez, who duly uh, dropped the ball through his legs and into the net. Um, as kind of Villa clown car goals go, uh, this one possibly topped the lot. It's a bizarre one, wasn't it? I kind of I, I, I missed the match. I had to watch it back on match of the day and I had to keep rewinding it because I, I just couldn't work out what had happened. I mean, we all know Martinez is such a solid goalkeeper and I think his handling is, is one of his best attributes. And 
uh, the physics of it were mind-boggling. I don't know how he dropped it. I don't know how it went between his legs. It was it was just one of those bizarre ones. And sometimes a goalkeeper makes a howler like that, and it's the end of his career. And what I really enjoyed was that Martinez didn't seem to let it fluster him. It was an awful one to concede. But he got right back on his feet and was making saves for us the rest of the game. And I, and I think that's what you get with Emi Martinez. He's got so much credit in the bank with us Villa fans that will let him have the occasional mistake like that, even if it was an absolute shocker. Um, I don't think it... You know, we're not looking at him. Does he need replacing? Was it a massive error on his part? Yes, but he's still a top-class goalkeeper and showed later in that match how important he is to us. So he gets a bit of a buy on this one for me let's just not make it a habit yeah right? I think that the uh, as far as Villa clown car goals go um, I mean, it's like someone put horse manure in the clown car and then set it ablaze and rolled it off a cliff um, it was about as you know it's not even the Aston Villa goal giveaway club now at this point I mean both goals <laughs> Um, I mean, but the first one in particular, uh, you know, e echoing what Daniel said, we 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 don't anticipate this kind of thing from Emmy Martinez. Um, unfortunately, that's what's happened. It was an absolutely obscenely bad goal to give away, but you know, you you, you back Martinez to come good, and he and he and he did just a few minutes later with a stunning save from uh, from from Greenwood from a really fierce uh, uh, volley. A very talented young player, actually, is is Mason Greenwood. I thought he played well, um, just on a side sidebar there. Uh, but we just have to stop doing it. I, I'm I'm sick of saying it, and people are probably tired of hearing me say it. If you need to score three goals to win a game of football, I don't care who you are, it is a problem. So no matter the exciting attacking talent that we're bringing in, no matter Steven Gerrard's style, no matter the new era, we have to stop conceding these stupid goals. We need to get some clean sheets and if we get clean sheets, the points will follow and we will rocket up that league table because there's so many ordinary sides in this Premier League table, in this Premier League this season, it's not even funny. And we have the opportunity to move forward, but we can't do it until we stop these these nonsense goals. It's just not possible. Yeah, it was a nonsense goal. It was a, it was an awful mistake by Martinez, but I did like what, what Gerard said afterwards um, about the fact that you know, one way or another, the goal was coming because we sat off them so much. We we were so sluggish. We were so um, so slow to, to to close down. We were allowing them to play in in our final third without really laying a glove on them. And the free kick was was a classic example of that. We were we were just not alive to what was happening at all. There was no reaction, and it was a weak shot by Fernandez. It was not gonna you know 900 times out of 901 <laughs> uh, it doesn't go in um so it was it was just but it obviously it was a it was a freak uh, mistake a freak bit handling it's not it's not something that will define emmy martinez but um it, it those kind of these kind of starts to games are, are something that are starting to define aston villa at the moment and even though, like Gerard's saying, we've worked all week on on a fast start and getting at them straight away, well, there was absolutely no evidence for that whatsoever. It was, it was, if anything, you could you could argue that they were almost holding out for the second half to, you know, to to try and have a go second half. Um, there was no evidence of a fast start or any kind of aggression whatsoever. So, um, 
that's on the players. You know, clearly that, that you know they didn't they didn't play with the game plan. United were pretty good in possession, but I wouldn't say they were they were top draw. I've certainly seen better passing sides at Villa Park this season, and um, we allowed them to to do it early on. And the goal was always going to come um, because we just weren't weren't in their face enough. Um, that was my that was my kind of take on it. Obviously, it was disappointing to see that from Martinez. And it's interesting what you say there, Dan, about um, him having credit in the bank. You know, there's another guy um, a few feet in front of him who uh, who seems to have no credit in the bank and gets blamed for things that aren't even his fault. Um, I wonder how 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 you get this credit in the bank that you talk about. <laughs> no, it, it, you're right. It's a strange one because I mean we've we've discussed it on this podcast before. The kind of the pelters that get thrown at certain players, and it, it's it's a strange one that. And, and Martinez has made his fair number of mistakes. So there's been a few odd moments in his Villa career, but he's he's also had standout moments. But the same with all of our defence. They've they're, the reason why they're at Villa probably is they're great on their day, but they've also got a clangor on them. That's why they're not further up the league at a bigger side. But I thought your point about the slow starts really interesting because I, I absolutely thought we'd be up for this one from from the whistle because in the cup game we were all over United and I thought the players would feel hard done by frustrated have a point to prove and it's disappointing to not see that there and and you imagine Gerard's the kind of manager who'd make them know that from the off so you're right it comes from the players and then it, it it makes me worry about the psychology of this group as if you can't get up for for a match that was so poised for a bit of revenge kind of when are you going to get up for it? And psychology is a good point. And, and to echo what you were saying, Andy, in terms of supporting Gerard's conclusion that the goal was coming anyway, I don't necessarily agree with you or Stevie Gerrard, for that matter, on that. I think that there are going to be times in the Premier League where you're under the cosh, particularly against teams with the quality of Man United. Yes, I know this isn't a vintage Man United side, but they still have players, the aforementioned Mason Greenwood, Bruno Fernandes, just to name two, that can seriously hurt you. They still have very good players, even if the team isn't wonderful right now. So there has to be periods in games, whether that be a five-minute period, a 10-minute period, a 20-minute period, where you're going to have to bed in and dig in a little bit. And you just have to be a little bit more resilient. And Steven Gerrard brought that with him in the beginning, but it seems to have gone away. So I'm not blaming the players. I'm, I'm looking at the manager. That res- It has to come from him. It has to come from his system. There has to be something instilled in the players because we know they have the capability to do it on their day where when things aren't going your way, and it might be the same uh, you know, against Everton. Everton are going to be buoyed by the return of Duncan Ferguson. The home fans are going to be well up for it. They're delighted to get rid of Rafa Benitez. They've got a big lad in, in Calvert-Lewin. There, there are going to be moments in the game against Everton, however badly out of form that they are, where we just need to dig in and just keep it tight. Don't concede any stupid goals. So I think that we have to do that and we have to learn to do that. And it's Gerard's job to make sure that happens. No, I agree. I, I, I think I was just obviously pointing out what, what, what he said. I think, I think you, you're absolutely right. Cause that was certainly something that, that was there initially. I think, I think the point he was, he was perhaps making was that there were kind of several errors um, or even if, even if they weren't sort of actual kind of, Errors that you could see, it was errors of of, of application really that 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 um, that led to that 
led to that goal and led to to Emmy's mistake. And I think as well, he's 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 clearly trying to take the um, you know, t- take the heat out of it for Emmy Martinez as well, isn't he? Um, with that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, you yeah. you, you you are right. You know, ultimately, um, the manager carries the can for how how the players. Um, how the players are when they when they take to the field. He can't do an awful lot about it once they're on the field, but you know, it's it's how he sets them up. I think, you know, when he when he said that he was expecting them to be more aggressive and you know and and and, and more on the front foot from the from the start, um, it was just it was just night and day to what we actually saw and. Uh, it was it's confusing really um and i'm sure he's confused by it and i'm sure he's he's been asking some some serious questions um this week um but united were on top for most most of the half as we said and villa kind of came into it more in the last latter stages of the half and um, with both Buendia and Dina working de Gea um villa Continue to to come into things more in the second half too, with Buendia and Ramsey starting to pull the strings and Dina finding some good attacking areas as well. Then another another calamity really as a, a stray back pass fa- uh, from Sanson found Elanga, um, who who beat Mings quite easily, um, found Fernandez who who crashed a fierce shot in off the bar. Um, it felt like. Again, same old story as we we contrived to gift gift United um, yet another three points. Yeah, it was it did. I, I will admit, as a fan, I may have lost my composure at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I may have lost my uh, ability to reason, and I may have been saying things in the. I didn't do anything on Twitter, I don't think, but I certainly did in 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 various uh, group chats with uh, Villa fans. I was absolutely furious at this moment um because again it was another giveaway uh and and Sanson had done really really well um up until that point he he actually looked a lot quicker i thought over the turf than 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 i thought he was um really tidy on the ball for the most part and and, and he had, i thought he had quite a nice game but that that there just into that left channel made me think of a, a, a previous villa player and what he would have done and that never would have happened with the with that previous incumbent on that left wing he would have done something a little bit smarter, a little bit cuter. He would have been either taken the ball, received it, waited for the challenge to come in, gone down, win the foul, and the, the team go up the pitch. And we need a little bit more of those dark arts. And I think Sanson there, you're in a you're in a sticky spot. If you're you're off balance, someone's coming in behind you, wait for the hit, control the ball, go down, referee blows for a foul, nine times out of ten, even against Man United. And it's a nice, easy free kick, Villa reset, and you get yourself up the pitch. Um, but he's tried a one-touch back pass. It's gone nowhere near it. People are blaming Mings for that, which is absolute boulder dash. You know, I mean, you can't blame Mings for every goal, people. I mean, it's just getting silly now at this point. Um, and 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 it's unfortunate for Sanson, and, and he's and he's obviously been been hauled off uh, and given the given the Ross Barkley treatment to the water bottles, and um, <laughs> and and that's that's you know that's probably him now benched now for 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 the following game. But it was just so upsetting. I was like, we've lost you know four on the spin. I, I thought we were going to lose four on the spin, and it was and it was really dark days. And to lose so meekly, and to lose well, obviously we didn't lose, but I thought we were going to lose again to a team just so bang out of form. Brentford are in horrible form, and they but they beat us. Chelsea are in awful form, but they beat us. 
Man United are in horrible form and they, they, you know, we haven't been able to beat them on either occasion. So it just felt like it was really, really dark days. But obviously, uh, the the night is darkest just before dawn, gentlemen. I um, I, I don't know. I think this one was worse than the Martinez one. If I'm honest, it's uh, I, and you're right about Sanson kicking the bottle. I think he put more into that bottle than he did his back pass, and that was half the battle. Um, it's frustrating. You give the ball away that much, you make that many mistakes. It's it's absolutely frustrating. And I don't know about this one. It, it's, it drove me a little bit insane kind of watching it happen. But I think we need to strap in for a little bit more of this as the season goes on. Gerard obviously is asking the team to play out from the back more, to take more risks in possession in our own half. And we're not good enough at that yet to not give away this kind of goals. And, and every team that learns to play out from the back, even City back when they started doing it, goes for a little bit of teething troubles doing it. And I think that's what we're seeing right now is, is players who may not have been asked to play out from the back as much or certainly weren't under Dean Smith or at other stages in their career are, are now trying to get to grips with it under pressure in the Premier League. And we're going to see mistakes. The problem is we're seeing far too many of them every week to put a run of form together and, and that's just as damaging. I think it's it's a case of the players becoming more intelligent, know when to pass it out from the back and know when to just put a foot through it. But, but yeah, this this one, you know, more avoidable almost than the Martinez one, which felt like a freak. This one just felt like a, a little bit of a comedy of errors. And, and yeah, Samson's reaction at going off, not the greatest thing in the world, but I thought Gerard handled that pretty well too. So fair play to his man management skills. Yeah, he did. He did manage it well. And, you know, this, is, this isn't... This isn't Sanson's first first time of doing this and reacting like this, is it? He, he did this, a similar thing with Dean Smith um, and found himself out the side for... Well, and for the duration until until Gerard came in, really, um, I think I do think, and this is me. This is my villa, me with very much my villa villa hat on. Um, <clears throat> I do feel like when we, whenever we do make these these errors, we are massively punished. We definitely punish. We we get punished more than we're able to, or we have been able to punish other teams. Um, it seems whenever other teams make these kind of loose passes at the back, or or there's a bit of a, a goalkeeper, you know, goalkeeping error or whatever, we can't quite get get to it. We can't quite take advantage of it and and um, you know and fully punish it. Whereas you know, I mean, Sanson, he wasn't even near his own penalty area, really, was he? And he's he's made an error, and and with and the balls ended up in the net and. It's it's um, it just seems cruel, <laughs> and maybe I'm, it's it's just because it, yeah, a great know, yeah. No, you're well. I, I'll give you an example now, a case in point, making the point for you. Just in the last uh, game against Manchester United FA Cup tie, uh, Lindelof I think made a, a back pass. Watkins capitalizes on it. He's done all the hard work and can just roll it into the corner and, and manage conspires to miss from six yards and, and and bounce it off the crossbar. You know, there's no chance that Mason Greenwood, there's no chance that Edison Cavani or, or any of the or Bruno Fernandes missed that. That's just a goal, which is the difference, I guess, between the elite and the not elite. There's there's a reason that uh, we are where we are and, and other teams are where they are. And um, we don't seem to have the players that can punish those mistakes in the same way. 
Yeah, there's fine lines in this league, and I think the the teams that do well consistently punish mistakes and and minimise the amount of mistakes they make. It's a simple formula, but it's really hard to pull off at the top level, and I think problem at the moment is we're making mistakes and we're not capitalising on the other team's mistakes and we're not going to get anywhere fast like that but at least you know there's signs that it's going to turn around these aren't dark days at all and I know we're coming on to the better part of this match now but it is frustrating that we don't capitalise you know I think back to the Watkins one as, as Craig's saying like it's a guilted chance to turn a turn a tie around there and you know a player like Bruno Fernandes pulls out has been out of form seems like he plays Villa pulls out a great shot to rattle one in off the cross that, that hasn't been there for weeks it, we've said before in this pod we're a bit of a tonic to players and clubs who are out of form they seem to love playing against us and, and getting getting the ball in the back of the net and getting things rolling for them if, if only we could find a team like that to play well Everton come on down <laughs> they've been an awful form awful yeah, form absolutely I was um, just thinking that <laughs> um, as, as the goal went in though um, standing there on the touchline ready to come on was Philippe Coutinho Possibly wondering what he was doing, um, <laughs> what, what what a mistake he'd made. Um, but his his introduction undoubtedly lifted the crowd and the and the team as well. And it wasn't long before he made an impact. Um, great break forward by Mings, um, and the ball into Coutinho, who played a, a, a nice one too with with Chukwemeka before the ball eventually fell to Ramsey. And I thought Coutinho had. Had touched that to him, but it, it was a it was a tackle by Fred, which just put put the ball to Ramsey, and um, and he smashed it home, and it was Ramsey's third goal of the season and his first in front of the halt end, um, but sadly, really he couldn't enjoy it as as much as the quality of the goal deserved, as as we were we were still behind, so they kind of just jogged off back to the uh, back to the centre circle, um, despite a slightly off off colour first half, JJ. Seems to be improving every week for for Steven Gerrard, and is this is is he now at the moment the the first pick in that mid midfield three? Do you think he's an interesting one, JJ? I mean, it's let's you said they're the three goals. That's one more than the the last Villa Academy product to, to come through the first team this season, and he he didn't cost a hundred million, so it's good to see that. <laughs> um, I think Ramsey at the moment is almost the same as Gerrard's Villa. Is he plays well for half a game, but maybe not the other half of the game, and and whether that's in terms of minutes or whether that's in terms of attacking and defending, it's. Um, it doesn't really matter. He just needs that consistency. But he's a young lad and that consistency will come, obviously. But the one thing I worry about with, with Ramsey, not to be the pessimist on it, I seem to be being today, but he's a brilliant footballer. He's wildly talented going forwards. He's so neat and tidy technically. I just don't know if he's suited as one of the midfield three in the Steven Gerrard system. And I think... He's just defensively, I don't think he offers enough to cover the fullbacks when we push him as high as we do. And I'd really like to see him pushed forwards into one of those 10 roles, which he's probably not going to be now because he's got to unseat Coutinho. But I, I do just worry about him. He's developing brilliantly. He's having a great season. Long may it continue. But he either needs to work on the defensive part of his game or we need to find another way of using him because I, I just don't see his long-term future as being one of those wide shuttlers. But but isn't it great to have an academy prospect coming through and, and making us forget about old Joe Goulash? Well, you just fall in love with them, don't you? I mean, I do. I just fall in love with, with, with JJ and, and you just, you know, everything about him. He seems like a really down-to-earth kid. Um, like, you just... He just seems like a, a nice kid living his dream, but level-headed with it. You know, he doesn't seem like he has 
um, any delusions of grandeur or anything like that. Although I did think, actually, I saw an interview with him where he said he was targeting the England team. And I remember yeah, I we're reading that. that and I thought, well, that's fanciful. But then actually yeah. thinking again, I'm like, well, actually, you have everything that a manager could want. You can receive the ball. You can move with the ball. You can pick a pass. Now you're adding goals and assists to your game. Um, it, it is every, you know, he's built like a footballer. He moves like a footballer. He's develop, develop, developing physically. You know, we, we talked about the transition in preseason. He went, he went away and, and was drinking cans of Nutrium and, 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 and ready breakfast. You know, he's, he's come back a man and he's only going to grow into his body and develop more muscle mass and, and lean muscle and all that other kind of good stuff that's going to make him a, a real, you know, physical presence for Villa in the, in the years to come. So all credits to JJ. I will admit that I said in the, uh, in, he did have a ropey first half. <laughs> I, to, I put in the group chat, I think JJ needs a rest, which I do think he will need as well as, as a young player. I don't think young players should be, uh, 20 year olds should be playing 40, 50, 60 games a season. Not that he can do that for Villa because we're at all the cups and we're not in Europe, but you know, um, <laughs> He will need a rest here or there. So, you know, I think that he needs to, you know, and Gerard hopefully is the right manager for that. So maybe he comes out of it for Everton and then comes back for the Leeds game, something like that, um, to, just to help rest him and, and, and bring him along. But I think it is, he's really exciting. He's really exceeded my expectations. I think all of us on this podcast were unsure last season when Dean Smith kept playing him of what he really was. We're beginning to see what he really is. And, and and to Daniel's point, I guess the jury's out, whether he's going to be this number 10 or whether he's going to be a number eight. Um, but it's exciting to see him grow and develop. And it's exciting to have this this wonderful academy um, prospect in the team and, and, and also know that he's got a brother or two coming up behind him as well. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They say he's, he's not as good as Aaron, he's uh, his younger brother. So, um, is, Cole, is it Cole as well, the other one? Is it, yeah, there's three. Yeah. Yeah, is so. it Cole or have I made that up? I, I, Do you reckon they all go to Villa Park, like to Bodymore in the same car? Like their mum drops them off in the morning or something? Yeah, I'd like to they, think they, so. They're not going individually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gives them all a kiss and off they go. Yeah. <laughs> a little packed lunch. Pack lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, um, I was in, in that in that camp last year and I can remember us doing, doing podcasts last year, last season, um, saying how... We weren't really sure um, how he was how he was developing. Really, he was. We could see he was a neat and tidy footballer, um, but he didn't really have anything that set him apart from anyone else. And now, when you see him, the way he 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 runs at players and he beats players, um, and like we say, adding the goals as well. I mean, he, his finishing is excellent. Really, he's unlucky not to have four. He should have had four, shouldn't he? Because th there was the one against Leicester Schmeichel. Should have had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um, you know, pray for Schmeichel and all that. But um, yeah, it's 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 great to see that he's just a, a, a switch has flicked and he's 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 turned he's turned into the the player we kind of thought he was before before he came into the the side initially. So it's it's fantastic to see. I too think that eventually he he, he has got um, a good shout of, of being involved with England at some at some stage. Um, the only thing he hasn't got is he doesn't play for one of the one of the uh, seditious six, does he? So um, uh, in Southgate's mind, that's that's uh, that puts him in a. He might as well be playing on Mars. Um, so, oh, uh, this this isn't a Villa topic, but I'll be really interested to see Bowen how he can not. I I I would. 
I would be amazed if Bowen doesn't make the next next squad over the likes of Grealish and obviously Rashford's out of sorts, Grealish is out of sorts, Sancho is desperately poor. I mean, uh, just a little England interlude here, but we're going to see the, the, the cut of Southgate's jib here because he's got a player there in Bowen who's demanding to be in that squad. And if he picks an out-of-form Rashford or an out-of-form Grealish or an out-of-form Greenwood out, him, out of him, I, I as an England fan will be, will be furious. Um, but yeah. that's nothing to do no. with Villa. I think you're right and we, we will see, won't we? Um, or whether Southgate's line on, on Bowen is you have to go and play for one of the big teams in the Champions League. Um, but of course he might be next season if he stays where he is, you never know. So um, the way things are going. Well, on Bowen actually, you kind of, uh, to bring it back to a Villa point, uh, West Ham got him, what, a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, and they've had to be patient with him. He's been good, but he hasn't lived up to the promise that he initially had there. And everyone always said his underlying statistics were great and big teams were looking at him, but he never quite came through until this year. And I think we're seeing similar things with a couple of our players kind of notably Emmy Buendia where it's not quite happening but if you stick with them for long enough hopefully it will so maybe that's the Villa angle to bring it back there no absolutely very I nice segue yeah. there smooth as silk that was <laughs> it's almost I, like I, it was planned almost <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, you know all being well um, but um, minutes later it, it was it was Ramsey again um, with a huge huge impact um, as he was found by a lovely pass, mentioning Buendia there, who who had an excellent second half, um, and then Ramsey's delicious cross found Brazilian, um, the mag- the magician at the back post um, to finish from four yards. Um, I don't mind telling you the place went absolutely bananas <laughs> when this goal went in. Um, it was a superb comeback, um, instigated really by Coutinho coming on, but but also. Uh, Ramsey, Buendia, and Chukwemeka, who who had huge impacts in that in that second half. Um, Gerard certainly has a, has a wealth of attacking talent at his disposal, with with Leon Bailey and Bertrand Traore also to come back. Um, firstly, it's a it's a big job keeping them all happy and involved, um, but also just mentioning Coutinho and Buendia. You know, can they play together? Do you see them being able to dovetail in the same team? Absolutely. I think that good players make other good players better. And I think that we saw in the last 25 minutes against Manchester United that um, that Buendia and Coutinho, and Coutinho actually said this in an interview, uh, Buendia, sorry, said this in an interview before the game, that yeah, no, we, we compliment each other. We, we, you know, apparently they're doing really well together in training. I think Gerard referenced the South American connection. Um, so that's like a catch-all yeah. <laughs> thing that means you're going to get along, just like all Englishmen get along, don't we? Yeah. Oh, Brazilians um, and Argentines get on famously. Famously, well, yeah. <laughs> it's weird though, they kind of, I know it is a little bit stereotypical. I, years ago, I used to work for a football club and the South Americans all got on together. There must be, a, there is a thing about it. It must be like, you know, it isn't the same as all Englishmen are friends, but it is weird how they put those differences aside when when they're in a foreign country. But I think there was a there was a game I watched. This, we're going way back now in the weeds. Um, this is way back in the I want to say the David O'Leary days, maybe. Oof. And I think Ulysses de la Cruz, Solano, and Angel were playing in a game, and it was a winter game. And I remember turning to my dad and saying, "Those three only passed to each other." <laughs> and they were and it was Solano a Peruvian uh, Juan Pablo Angel obviously a Colombian and Ulysses de la Cruz was from 
Ecuador, I think. Ecuador, wasn't it? yeah. They were literally only passing to each other. Um, it was ridiculous, but I think we actually won the game. I think Milner was playing as well. They passed to Milner a little bit, but it, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes, is the answer, Andy. I think Coutinho and, and Buendia, however tenuous these South American links are, I think they're just two really talented players. And I think lots of the problems with Buendia uh, settling in has been that he hasn't had anyone really on his wavelength. Obviously, the relationship that was most famous with Buendia at Norwich was with Puki, but that was a relationship years in the making. Um, I don't think that Watkins is particularly on the same wavelength as Buendia. And that's not me. <laughs> well, I could probably make that disrespectful, but I'm not going to. Let's just leave it there. I think Ings is slightly more on the same wavelength as Buendia, but Ings obviously has been nothing but a disappointment, frankly, thus far as the Aston Villa signing. Whereas I think the last few minutes of the Manchester United game show that Coutinho, Buendia were on the same wavelength. And so too, by the way, was Carney Chocomenka. <laughs> who also seems to be on the way on, on the same wavelength. I actually wrote a list down, which I was going to tweet, but I didn't because I thought better of it, of the players that I could see were of one kind of level and the players I thought were of a different kind of level. And it was almost like a team of two halves in that last 25 minutes. And let's just put it this way, in my estimation, without naming names, Coutinho and Bordia were certainly in the top tier and they certainly can play together. And I would be frightened if I were the Everton backline uh, of them two linking up because I don't think you can stop them both. I think on, on song, both of them, I think are absolutely devastating. They're going to be incredible for Aston Villa. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that actually both of these kind of Villa futures relies on the other one, if that makes any sense. I don't, I don't think Buendia is an out-and-out out 10. He was never that at Norwich. He was a creative force, but he wasn't the main man. And Coutinho, too, even in his best days at Liverpool, struggled when he was the main man and like did a little bit better when he was slightly offset coming off the left. So they're almost, you know, sub-10s, the two of them. And so fitting in this Gerrard system where we play two of them together, I think it's going to be perfect for them both it's it naturally gives defenders more to worry about which creates space for the other ones and it it takes the pressure off of Buendia because he doesn't have to carry the entire side's creativity and it takes the pressure off Coutinho too but um on this goal I loved everything about this goal actually I loved everything about both goals but we're talking about the tens I just wanted to have a word for Tyrone Mings in both goals <laughs> is both goals for different reasons start with Tyrone Mings breaking the lines and getting the ball for us. I think, can't remember which order it was, but one of them he dribbles around a couple of people and puts a decent ball in and the other one he threads the ball through there, the United midfield and, and forward line. And, and those goals don't happen without that from the back from Tyrone and he absolutely started both moves. So while we've got an abundance of creativity now in the 10 slot it's good to be reminded that despite sometimes him making mistakes we've got that creativity at the back too and, and beautiful goals to watch and, and I think we've got so much exciting times to come from Buendia and Coutinho, particularly Buendia, who the last three games I think has been absolutely superb and I think is only going to get better. Oh, he has. He's really come comes to the fore, hasn't he? Um, in the last in recent weeks, and um, I mean it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because people in this country will naturally say um, you've got two two very similar players there. I think Gerard had to field a question, didn't he, about whether Coutinho would be replacing Buendia, and he said, "Well, no, absolutely not. The, these two two incredible players they're 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 very much part of part of the plans, and um, I think we'll need to see it. You know, 
I think in this country we have this idea that everyone's got to have very different attributes to be able to play in the same team together. And if you've got two players that are similar, it, it all falls apart. But it's it's players knowing what their role is in the in the team, isn't it? As much as anything else. And of course, you know, we talked about South Americans. They, they don't they don't think of the game in that way. The more the more technically gifted players, the better, as far as they're concerned, because they can play off each other. So. Um, I'm really looking forward. To it. I mean, we got a little little glimpse of it, didn't we? Which, which was, when you think about it, quite devastating, really. Um, that last uh, half an hour, um, you know, they were excellent. Uh, the, the two of them, and like you say, Chukwemeka and uh, and Ramsey were just absolutely loving it, weren't they? Chukwemeka, they were they were loving life out there. Yeah. Whereas other players, I don't think were loving life because it was like a bit like, uh oh. Um, Am I a little bit out of my depth here? Technically, I don't know what's going on. Let me just blast this ball as hard as I can. <laughs> okay, all right. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing it okay. yet. We'll see. <laughs> fair enough. Just keeping his powder dry. Keeping his powder dry. Fair. Fair enough. Uh, I, I just. I'm just. It's really exciting, isn't it? And um, and obviously, uh, it's how it's how they best find the find the. The formation, because I was thinking about it, and if you've got Ramsey, who for me is a starter now, I think I, I th- absolutely. And then you've got Buendia and uh, Coutinho, who you did, who you'd assume both of them would play. Um, Leon Bailey, as I said, to come back. You've got um, the two strikers, England, two England strikers <laughs> potentially up there, and you, you've also got Chukwemeka who. You know, like like we say, you know, he's pushing, isn't he? He's pushing for a for a start. So, how do you fit them all? I, in? Well, you you don't. No. But this, this is what this is this is how this is what a big club is. You know, this is what a big club looks like. You know, no one says to Guardiola, "How are you going to fit all these attacking players in?" Um, he just does it because they're Man City, and it's accepted that a big team you're going to have big players on the bench. I think uh, the Manchester United, uh, as we record, it's Wednesday, January 19th. Man United that have kicked off or are about to kick off against Brentford. You know, they've got the likes of... They've got £80 million of Harry Maguire on the bench. They've got Anthony Martial on the bench. They've got Rashford. They've got uh, Van der Beek, a £40 million player on the bench. This is what this is how big teams behave and Villa want to be a big team. Um, I think that the, 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 the Bailey and Bertrand Traore now probably take the role of... And where El Ghazi and Trezeguet <laughs> as our as our subs, which is an incredible upgrade. Um, obviously, we still have to usher Trezeguet out of the door. <laughs> With a, 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 this is a friendly usher, whoa, though, Daniel. Whoa, whoa, it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a gentle nudge rather than a kicking him out. It's like a thank you so much, Trez. Thanks for those those goals. But um, you know, we, we're just moving moving along. And 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 Bailey has a point to prove. Bailey's not going to be satisfied with, with being on the bench. Bertrand Traore also will fancy himself to have the quality to force his way into the team. And that's absolutely what we need. We need competition for places. We have it in the forward areas. I think we have it now at left back. Uh, we just have to have it at the number six role and, and centre half and, and we're cooking on gas. I worry for, for Leon Bailey. This is going to be a bit of a, an out there claim, but I wouldn't be surprised if his his Villa career is somewhat run before it's even started. I just don't see how he fits into Gerard's system. He's an out-and-out wide guy who who's not going to play as one of those tens, and, and he's just 
constantly injured or away on international duty. I just don't see how he's going to break into this team if, if Coutinho does well, if Ramsey does well, Chuck Womenka does well. Uh, I, I just don't know how he breaks into it or where he fits in it. So I do worry that all the excitement, he's a player we all want to see do well. I just don't know how he's going to ever do well. But as Craig says, much as I'm loath to say it, having Leon Bailey on the bench is a slight upgrade on Trezeguet. And only slightly, though. <laughs> at least Trezeguet is around at the moment. But I am loath to say it, but it's much better to have Bailey on the bench than Trezeguet. I think it's easy to forget that, that Bailey, you know, is was one of the most sought-after young players in Europe. You know, and all right, you know, he he didn't, go to one of the big moves, you know, but the people were talking about sort of 60, 70 million for him um, before we signed him. So, um, you know, really, really big player, big renowned, renowned young player with, with lots of potential. I'd be very reluctant um, to see him out the door before he's had a real good go. I mean, obviously, if he can't get fit for whatever reason and he can't make an impact, then... Then, 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 fair enough. But I think what you have with Bailey is you you have a real option as well, don't you? With uh, with the pace and the direct kind of. I mean, I saw that goal, that Everton goal again on uh, on on social media today, and it just reminded me of the the explosive nature of 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 the way he plays. And um, I I I would back Gerard to find a place for him in in the Villa side, um, one way or another. Um, but he's got to get fit first, and he's got to he's got to put a, a run of form together before before we can we can speculate too much on that. But um, just getting back to Coutinho, uh, Craig, I mean, he looked prepared, didn't he? When he was there on the on the touchline, he looked ready. He looked ready to go from the outside. You can only he, imagine he what, did. What, what how well prepared he was underneath that that Villa kit. Well, I think you, you've got to think about his teeth, first and foremost. <laughs> it's hard now, to think um, of anything else when he's... <laughs> he has Robert Firmino-level teeth, which are almost whiter than white. Now, I don't know what kind of... I'm not a chemist, uh, believe it or not, listener. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of chemicals that you have to mix together and put into your mouth to make your teeth go kind of beyond white. Um, I was actually watching an inter- the interview with, 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 with Coutinho on Villa TV and his teeth were actually whiter than the Villa TV logo in the corner. <laughs> genuinely. No, no, genuinely. Go watch it. They're, they are whiter. So if you're taking that much care and attention about your, your teeth, and obviously we all need to look after our teeth. Not only are they hopefully aesthetically pleasing, but they also carry a function. You know what else can be aesthetically pleasing, but also carries a function? Your cock and balls. Yes, absolutely. Now, cock and balls sometimes get a raw deal. Sometimes they're not considered the most beautiful piece of anatomy on a human being. I mean, some people find the uh, female sexual anatomy more appealing, and some people find the male sexual anatomy more appealing. But whatever you have, listener, betwixt your legs, what you have to do is you have to treat it like Coutinho's teeth. Now, I don't mean bleach it to hell with a bunch of chemicals, because that could be painful and actually probably quite dangerous. I would instead encourage you to think of using a lighter touch. And when I say a lighter touch, I'm talking about shaving. I'm talking about, of course, our sponsors, manscaped.com. So you can remove 
all that unwanted hair, just as though, just just like Coutinho removed all those unwanted coffee stains. <laughs> you can remove all of that unpleasant odor. We were talking before the show a little bit about BDSM. That's a different story. <laughs> but um, if you're into those kind of things, you want to make sure that your areas are ready for <laughs> interaction. And the way you're going to do that is by keeping them clean, making sure that you use the Manscaped ball deodorant, the Manscaped products, to ensure that all of your loving areas, all of your sexual apparatus, are as wonderfully clean, fresh, and groomed as they can be. And you can do so with 20% off and free international shipping using our promo code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P. That's free international shipping and 20% off with our promo code L-A-M-P at www.manscaped.com. Philip Gatinio's teeth will thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, Craig. That was uh, inspiring and everything else as well. Listeners are going to wonder what we talk about before we start recording. And listener, honestly, it's it's not normally BDSM. It's normally very standard villa chat that we should probably hit record for. But, yeah. you know, write your own fan fiction in. It's, uh... <laughs> we were also talking about gardening, if that helps it balance out a little bit. It's a mixed bag. Maybe we should record it and do the, do the offcuts. But anyway, um, getting back to the villa, there there is, of course, a... Um, about a week or so left by the time this goes out of the, the January transfer window. Um, and this week, um, Villa, of course, completed the signing of Swedish goalkeeper Robin Olsen on loan from, from Roma until the end of the season. Um, there are expected to be more signings um, with Gerard needing to at least fill the, the gaping hole now at centre-back, uh, made worse potentially by Esri Konza getting injured on Saturday. There are there may be also some outgoings. Um, Courtney Hawes has been linked with West Ham, and and of course Trezeguet um, possibly needs to, to to move to get some first team football, uh, and potentially of course a host of academy players going out on loan for the rest of the season. I understand uh, it sounds like Philogene Bidace is going to Stoke, um, which is an excellent move, um, top end of the mm. championship. So that's a great move, and and Cameron Archer. Has got a lot of interest um, by all accounts from from championship teams as well, which is that's where we want these these young lads um, playing if if they can at this stage. Um, but it could be a, a very busy last few days of the window at Bodymore Heath. Um, so what are you hoping for? Um, would you be happy with the current group for the rest of this season? And and will Gerard have another Coutinho style surprise up his sleeve? Do you think? Well, I think uh, to answer the last uh, part of the question first, I think there has been uh, some bitey, bitey big rumours. Uh, bitey was 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 supposed to be mighty there. I don't know if it worked <laughs> or not. Um, in terms of Luis Suarez uh, coming through the door, now that would be an interesting one. Um, a very controversial character. I'm not sure we'll get into all of that now, but uh, I know Daniel has some thoughts. Um, so would I be happy with the current group? No, because I do think we need a, a, a centre-half. There are uh, uh, big rumours that the horse is not only wanted at West Ham, that he also would like to leave, to go to West Ham and return to London. I think I read somewhere yeah, um, so. in, in, in the last couple of days. Um, unfortunately, Courtney, we, you can't go right now because we need you. Um, but uh, if the money was right, I think that would that that might be one of those rare occasions where uh, something could suit all, all parties. But um, 
we don't have any cover in that that area. So so obviously Courtney needs to stay. We probably could get away with keeping Courtney and um, and and maybe a youth player as the fourth choice. I think would be okay, presuming that that Konza's injury isn't too bad. Um, but I think that the main real shining red elephant in the room is this lack of dedicated number six since Nakamba's um, untimely injury. Uh, we know that Douglas Louise can play there, but it's not necessarily his strongest position. And after Douglas Louise, we're, we're looking at the young man Tim or, or Reiki as the only other dedicated defensive midfielder. So probably we need to strengthen there. Uh, and I think that that is something that does need to be done because I think that we are missing, uh, you know, we're missing that dedicated number six in the team to allow the attacking uh, uh, players to get on with their business and also to guard the shot because we are conceding, as mentioned earlier, far, far, far too many goals. So I think a DM has to be a priority. Yeah, I think I'll pick up Craig's thoughts on, on centre-back. I would wish Courtney Hall's all the best if he wanted to leave. He deserves to be playing games, and, and if that's for West Ham chasing Champions League plays, fair fair play to him, but we need him around at the moment. We we brought the lad Kerr in from Scotland, who's a fantastic prospect, going to be great for us, and, and I'd be happy to be a fourth choice, but if Courtney Hall's is off, then we need a third choice, whoever that may be, and it might well be someone in on loan. Um, and I also agree with the need for, for a DM, although I'm not sure you get the best value in January for that player, so I wonder if we buy a stopgap in for the time being, someone on loan who can, can tide us over there but but I actually think we need a couple of midfielders Dougie's contract situation isn't going away anytime soon and and United have been sniffing around McGinn again so I wouldn't mind seeing us get a couple of midfielders in if the option comes in but the the final point I wanted to rest on is just a little thought on the Luis Suarez rumours and, and other players linked to Aston Villa it's uh, you know, obviously we're we're getting a better calibre of player linked to us, a better calibre of player coming in. But do you remember those times when we had a likable bunch of lads who were just kind of, you know, good good characters on and off the field that you could root for, not a rogues gallery of of character flaws and controversies and. You know, it'll all be forgotten when we're winning games and, and Suarez is banging them in from Luca Dean, who's fallen out of his previous manager and and whoever we get in midfield with whichever controversies they come with. But I do miss the days when you could like this Villa team a lot more than, than some of the names we're being linked with. But, you know, who cares if they come to Villa and, and they do well, then, then I won't complain. But same as Craig, centre-back, couple of DMs, you know, throwing a, a right-back cover in there and, and welcome Olsen, a player I don't think we'll ever see play a game in a Villa shirt, but seems to be... <laughs> An incremental upgrade on Jed Steer, who's done nothing wrong, but I agree isn't isn't the what kind a of waste backup of time. I'd want to see play. But it's what such a, an odd yeah. move. I, I don't expect him to play a minute in a Villa shirt, and and you know you never know when your first choice is going to get injured. And and I agree that Jed Steer, I would not like to see him start a, a run of Premier League games. But we've said before, we're not going down. We're not getting into Europe. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Jed Steer to get a couple of minutes before he leaves in the summer. But the Olsen one is just bizarre for me, but you know, Gerard wants an upgrade, so Gerard gets an upgrade. God knows what you know. I haven't read any stories about Robert Olsen off the pitch, so maybe he's one of the good guys. <laughs> I, I want to know when this time was when we had all these uh, st- uh, stand-up characters. You know, in the when was this? Was that when when they were led by Jack Grealish, who was <laughs> smashing Range Rovers up outside? 
Lost McCormack's house. <laughs> well, this is true. I mean, the, the Grealish probably not the upstanding citizen, but I don't know. I, you know, I've got rose-tinted glasses for last season, as as everyone knows who listens to this, and they were just such a likable team. Kind of ironically, aside from Grealish and Ross Barkley, that that I miss those days. And and you know, obviously, I'll give anyone that comes into the club a fair crack, but we are being linked with some odd names, and it's it's kind of kind of worrying to see. You know, Gerard's putting together his kind of dirty dozen almost it feels like a film where he's a grizzled old veteran who's who's gone to get like the the roughest characters he can to get the job done but who knows we might get ben thatcher out retirement throw him in his left back cover or, th- or, or whoever else gerard thinks i assume you're talking about players we link because I, I mean coutinho and and, and Dina obviously seem seem reasonably okay i, I can understand Reservations about Suarez, and I, you know, I certainly have those res- reservations. I think he's 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 not the sort of character you want around, and and he's he's also, I mean, Perslo Perslo talked didn't he about the age profile and Gerard wanting to increase the age profile, and I I understand that, and I think that's probably something we did need because you need that experience if you want to push towards the top end of the the Premier League, but there's raising the age profile which they've done they've signed a 29 year old and a, and a 28 year old um but then you know signing we, we've already got a 36 year old signing a a 35 year old on top of that it's, it's it doesn't doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me um particularly with his his history and we've no idea you know how he would take coming back to the the premier league there's also There'd be question marks about about Basuma because of um, obviously what he's got hanging over his head at the moment, and and that would be, you know, spending upwards of of thirty million potentially, you know, a lot more than that um, on a player in that kind of trouble, um, you know, innocent till proven guilty. But you want some assurances, don't you, if you're going to be, um, you know, giving someone a four or five year contract for forty yeah. million quid, you know. And, and and just for the record, I don't think Coutinho's done anything wrong, unless anyone's got that he cheats at Scrabble or something like that. I don't think he's done anything wrong. The Dino one, he's a great player. I didn't like him falling out. I mean, I've, I don't like Everton, don't like Rafa, but I don't like kind of him throwing his toys out the pram because the team weren't playing in the way that got the best out of him before a World Cup. It's it's Villa's gain, and, and he is going to be a good player for us, but it, I, didn't, I don't like that approach from a player, but... You know, maybe Gerard's just getting old teammates and getting the band back together from Liverpool days. We'll have Daniel Sturridge through the door soon, and and whoever else was in that that kind of Brendan Rodgers almost run team. So yeah, uh, Sterling uh, Sterling would be more than welcome. I think that um, uh, Daniel Sturridge is also available. I think the interesting thing is that, that Villa may have missed the opportunity to really have some. Some nasty bastards in there, actually. I think yeah. you need one. You don't need all of them, but you do need one or two. And I'm not saying that you need Suarez, but we have been a little bit too nice. We are a little bit too friendly. And I think we do need a player or two with a a, a bit bit of a ruthless streak. You know, everyone's a bit smiley. Ings is very smiley. Cons is very smiley, although he's got a bit more about him now. Ramsey seems like a lovely kid. Douglas Louise, you know, obviously is enjoying life at the moment, <laughs> as we see on social media. Um you know, uh, uh, Trezeguet, lovely man. My beautiful baby boy, Anwar, lovely man. So we, we have had a very nice bunch of bunch of lads, you know, a couple accepted, but I think we do need a, 
a couple of a couple of feisty, dirtier players in there, a couple of nastier players in there who can add a little bit of balance. But obviously, getting that balance right is going to be Gerard's job. Increasing the age profile is is fine, as I alluded to last week. But you have to have a balance. We can't be in the in the in the situation that uh, we were in under Brucey, where there's no resale value anywhere and everyone's out of contract and we've got no squad. So there has to be a balance and um, and and. Ultimately, Gerard is going to live and die by these decisions. You know, he's changed the process of what the club's doing. He's gone in a completely different direction. There is risks going in that direction, and it's going to play out how it's going to play out. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure he's actually changed it completely. I just think he's 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 adding a new strand to it, isn't he? And we're in a position now where we can sign players at their peak. You know, we've not been able to 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 make these kind of signings since the 90s have we really or maybe since martin o'neill was was there but um we are back in that in that environment now we can sign players um good prospects for the academy and and a little bit older to to be around the first team you know we can obviously attract you know players at the end of their career we've always been able to do that but but now <laughs> we can sign players again who are you know, a going concern at Premier League level who can come in and hit the ground running, hopefully, um, and that's what we that's what we've we've done with the last two. We've also, of course, signed signed Kerr Smith, who who is um, you know a real prospect and and you know clearly someone they've been chasing for a long time. So um, you've got to be able to 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 have more than one sort of strategy, really, because like I said last week, if you if you if you are just buying prospects you never quite achieve it because they're always they, they they leave or they they never quite achieve their 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 peak form at your club um and 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 you kind of go in this this endless cycle of of of, of regenerating the team without much success so um, and that's the i mean that's that's how they are at southampton and places like that they never quite get over that over that um that hump into the into the top half of the league, but um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, like you say, you know, it's Gerard's shout, and you know, ultimately, it's his job and his career that's on the line, isn't it? And and um, I'm more than happy to back him. And certainly, if he's if he's bringing the type of quality in that that we've that we've seen so far, so um, we'll see. But it's interesting, actually. You talk about the number six. Is there a correlation here between the camber getting injured? And, and all these silly goals flying in. I'd say yes, 100%. I mean, you, and we've replaced Matt Target, and, and I know you boys talked about it. I'm not going to go into it much more, but I think our fullbacks have been the ones that have suffered the most without Nakamber in the team because we're light on the flanks in terms of protection. And I think the way Gerard plays demands a good defensive midfielder. And we just, a doggy for all his qualities, and they are many. I, I don't think he's defensively sound enough to play that role. And, and we clearly lack presence, physical and mentally on the defensive side there. So yeah, I think it, it's not a surprise that we're we're leaky since we've lost Nakamba. I agree. And also it's worth noting um, that the number six in Dean Smith's system has an entirely different job mm, yeah. than the number six in Steven Gerrard's system. Um, so Douglas Louise was the perfect number six for Dean Smith's system, whereas Marvellous was not the perfect number six for Dean Smith's system. Uh, and it's vice versa in terms of uh, Steven Gerrard's um, because it, it requires that destroyer. It requires that person who who does that stuff. Whereas, you know, 
Douglas Louise is a baller, as the kids would say. You know, he's he he's got the he's got the squares, he's got the he's got the drip, he's got all of the stuff. There's so me, cool, Craig. Yeah, here's me aging myself with my poor uh, references. But he he has that, and and again, number six in Dean Smith's system is different to a number six in in, in Gerard's system. We need to have a replacement for marvelous Nakamba. And we need it now. And and as as the gentleman have alluded to, if that's on loan, so be it. But uh, we need someone, and we need someone I'd, I'd, right in now. In terms of defence, I'd love love us to go after this um, this centre back that Newcastle are after, um, just to annoy Newcastle. Carlos, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would just be wonderful. But um, we'll see we'll see what happens. I think I think you know we, we definitely need a centre back, and I think like we say, a number six, unless. Nakamba is is expected back sooner than we thought. Um, I think we do need it, and uh, you know, and hopefully something will happen in the next week or so. Um, but this Saturday lunchtime, Villa head to Gerrard's hometown again to take on the beleaguered Everton, um, fresh from the sacking of Rafa Benitez and the appointment of interim manager Everton legend Duncan Ferguson. Um, they will certainly be uh, a different prospect to the side that lost so awfully to Norwich last week as Big big Dunk looks to stop the slide towards relegation. It'll be a big day also for, for Luca Dina, who will make a swift return to Goodison Park in Villa Colours. John McGinn should be back in contention, but we await news on, on Konza. And of course, it will be interesting to see if, if Coutinho is considered fit enough to start. How do you see this one shaping up and what would your team selection be for this one? Well, I said earlier in the pod, isn't it funny how teams seem to get just a tonic when they play Villa and I've got a feeling it's going to be that this weekend. I kind of, if we'd have been playing Everton under Rafa Benitez, I would have thought this would be an easy walkover, three points right there. But under Big Dunk, it's that new manager bounce. He's He showed last time he had the caretaker or he can get uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin firing. They're a club that put in more crosses than anyone else in the league, and Villa seem to be weak out wide. I'm just nervous. I'm always a pessimist when it comes to these things, but I'm just nervous that it's a bit of a perfect storm. But but we'll see. I think the one thing... I think the Esri concert injury might be good for us because, as we had last time we played Everton, Craig was calling for for Courtney to play due to his aerial prowess, and I kind of think we should do that again. Um, And I'd even be tempted to drop Ramsey, as ridiculous as that is, after his performance against United. I'd like to see Sanson and McGinn in those midfield roles just to give us a bit more defensive solidarity on on the wings. But I'm nervous about this one, and just... Just very, very nervous. I'm nervous about the way you pronounce Rafa Benitez's name. Sorry, yeah, I realised midway through. Why am I? Why am I giving him an odd inflection? But... Rafa Rafa Benitez was there. Yeah, I don't know why I went Benitez. I was halfway through and I'd committed to it. So for the rest of my I like career, that. That's what I'm going to. Well, call yes, him. this listener Rafa Benitez has <laughs> has departed, and <laughs> Everton have big dunk. Um, I don't care about it. Actually, Villa are the team who actually need a win. We haven't won since Leicester, dare I say? Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Early December, which is some yeah. over a month ago at this point. Yeah. Um, which is not acceptable for a team of Aston Villa's aspirations. It's not acceptable for a team that have, you know, a hundred and whatever million attack, if we're not, not even counting Coutinho. So um, absolutely... 
uh, Steven Gerrard needs to pick up the pace and he needs to needs to play on Everton's weaknesses. Yes, they're going to get a boost from Duncan Ferguson, but I don't care. Uh, we haven't had a win for a month. Gerrard has had ample time now to get his feet under the table. And it's, start, it's time to start putting, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, some of that wonderful off the field um, um, momentum and, and feel good stuff that we, we, we've we generated and, and he has generated, Gerald in particular, with his connections and with his, uh, um, you know, wonderful ability to attract players that we're seeing. It's now time to start to put those points on the board and, and Everton is, is a perfect opportunity. Um Duncan Ferguson or no Duncan Ferguson, Villa need to go and Villa need to win, particularly as we've got now a, a two a two and a half week gap until the next fixture. So it's really important that we get back to winning ways because it's been way too long. You, you mentioned you, you you don't care about Duncan Ferguson, but what about Anwar Anwar El Ghazi? Well, my beautiful baby boy is is ineligible, so you know. Oh, of course, yeah, he's allowed, yeah, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Thankfully, because what would Craig do <laughs> if it was this soon seen him play? Well, I don't know Villa. which team I'd cheer for. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, no. I, I, I felt awful for him standing there having his having his photos taken in in a shirt that was clearly two sizes too big. Yeah, um, <laughs> they, they didn't they didn't do him any favors, did they? Really? No, no, they did not. But um, you know, Anwar, you know, Anwar will do well for Everton if if, if they trust him. But um, you know, the 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 player who is going to go back and haunt the opposition team isn't going to be El Ghazi. It's going to be Luca Dean. Yeah, well, I hope so, and it's it'll be a big big day for him, and I'm I'm sure they'll they'll give him uh, give him all kinds of hell from the from the stands. Even though I, I, I you know I get the impression he was he was a reasonably popular player. I think people, the the fans there tended to take the opposite side to Rafa Benitez, um, didn't they? So uh, I think I think they 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 did kind of like him, but I'm sure that I'm sure he'll get he'll get a, a warm welcome when he goes back. Um, it's a, it's a big one, isn't it? And I think the the defensive call is the is the biggest one is whether <clears throat> whether Concer is 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 back fit or whether we start with Hawes, and also you know up front um, whether Watkins and Ings um, you know hold on to the shirts or which one does because one of them will play, but it's which one uh, we'll we'll find out which one Gerard fancies the most. I think. Um, I'm not sure Coutinho's fit enough to dislodge one of them. I think I agree one of them goes as soon as Coutinho's fit, but Coutinho looked knackered after about 10 minutes last weekend. So he's about as fit as I am at the moment. So um, I, I think that maybe those two hold their place for a week longer, but I agree with you. One of them's going to get dropped and, and fast. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. We'll see with that. But um, predictions, guys, for this one? Start with uh, Dan. I can't predict a Villa loss, even though that's that's what I'm feeling in my bones. So I'm going to go nil nil. You go. You go. You go first. You go first, Andy. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a two nil Villa win. Um, I'm going to go three one Villa. I don't think Villa can keep a clean sheet at the moment, um, and I think that, uh, that 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 Everton will be boosted. They may even take the lead, but um, I think if we if we had the same kind of attacking prowess that we did against Manchester United, I think David De Gea made seven saves um, in that match, and we've still scored two goals. I think that um, I think that we're going to have too much for Everton, and I think we, we're going to overwhelm them and, and give them a, a good beating. And um, it's what we need to do because, again, you know, we haven't won in over a month, and that's just not good enough. Yeah, we we need to at some point we need to put together 
these these little sections of performance, don't we, um, over the whole game or the majority of the game. Like we say, we can, very few teams in this league dominate the whole game. Um, but we we need to be because uh, I think the the only time I've seen us really do that was was possibly Crystal Palace away. That was the most comprehensive performance I think that we've we've had um, since Gerard Gerard took over. But we've seen flashes of, of of absolute brilliance at times, and it needs to be more regular. And they need to cut the mistakes out as well. So um, great. Well, look, I hope it's I hope it's a good game. Early one for you, Craig. Um, yes, on Saturday morning. <laughs> But um, sure, you'll be up, and the the coffee will be flowing. I um, I don't drink coffee, Andy, but I will be up. Okay, okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I'd need about a pint of coffee to to watch to watch a game that early in the morning. I think. <laughs> but um, but anyway, thanks for thanks for joining me, guys. Um, been been really really good chat today, and thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, remember to head over to manscape.com. Uh, for 20% off and free shipping with our code LAMP. Um, and head over to the website underagaslitlamp.com for the for the latest articles um, and, and writing on the on the club. Um, and if you're going to Goodison, have a great day. Um, give the give the boys a um, a big a big shout from us and we'll be back next week. Stay safe and up the villa.